The season has come to a conclusion. It's time to crown champions and award winners. You don't want to miss this week's episode of the Indie Ball Report podcast. back again episode number 239 of the indie ball report podcast there's two people here i think you know who they are at this point and uh we suck at making predictions that's something we've definitely learned over the past week and uh there's happenings in the pioneer league and the atlantic league so the exact two leagues you thought would be doing a lot of stuff this week are doing stuff yeah the drama-centric leagues Ah, uh, man. It made it through the year, though. How about that? It made it through a season. I know. Honestly, I'm surprised we didn't lose anybody. Yet. <laughs> How many seasons is this for you now that you've covered? Let's see. It'd be 19. If we count 20, then 20. 21, 22, now 25. Damn. All right. Yeah. I think, was this three for me? Yeah. <laughs> well, it depends. I don't give myself credit for 2020. I take credit for 20. I don't give a shit. Well, you were also covering the American Association at the time. I was only covering the Atlantic League, and they did not play. What was fun about doing things that year was I had Josh Schaub on the show the same exact day that he was finalizing the hubs for 2020. Because he was like, I can only come uh, on for like 10 minutes. I said, okay, I'm in the middle of doing something. I was like, yeah, sure, why not? And so like, I, Cool, sure. <laughs> yeah, so I was talking to him. He's like, yeah, sorry, I got to cut it short. I'll come back on. But like, uh, it's, it's a very busy day. I got a lot of stuff I got to do. I was like, yeah, no, no, I understand. I appreciate it just coming out. And then, like, I did the thing. I was editing the interview. And then as I'm in it, editing, I see on Twitter, American Association announces play for 2020 season. I was like, yeah, that's probably what he was doing. Uh-huh. <laughs> that probably. Oh, falling into place. Yeah, I was like, ah, oh, man, if you would have told me that, then, you know, like, we could have discussed this, too. <laughs> I would have been cool pushing yeah, right. this back a would have worked it in. Yeah. Made this a little more timely. Yeah, exactly. Instead, I asked you a bunch of vague questions. I think at one point, I, I, but you can go back and listen to that one too, if, if anyone wants to. But like, I think I even asked, like, so what's the plan for the twenty twenty season? And he was like, oh, we're trying everything we can to play. <laughs> Didn't even give you anything. Yeah, I'm just like typical uh, lawyer, professional as hell. But <laughs> yeah, so I guess we could talk about some other Prairie teams. You know, we could talk about Billings. We could talk about some Pioneer League awards. We could talk about how Gastonia is. You know doing Gastonia things, all this and more, then we can even go down to Mexico for a hot minute, too. I mean, it's going to be a hot minute going down there. <laughs> I just some Because s- of the temperature. Feel me? Feel me? Uh, you know, it's feeling pretty hot. Get it? Because of the Shout temperature. Out. Man, you flirt with me. <laughs> things are getting loose at the end of the season, man. I mean, look, you, you put that flannel shirt on that we mentioned last week, and I mean, I'm just saying, there's a reason YouTube recommended that rugby video to you. <laughs> without context it sounds bad and with context it sounds even worse so <laughs> I'll let that run for now oh god I want someone in two months from now when we're getting ready to do the Q&A episode I want somebody to bring this up and ask so two months ago when you mentioned in context this is so much worse what were you referencing so that way we're both like what the hell even is this question and then it'll dawn on me like after a week and a half go oh wait the rugby thing <laughs> Nah, well, the question we're going to get is how long have you two been dating? Which is, I mean, 
fair. I could see that us trolling around that ballpark way too interested interested in conversation with another indie ball fan at a level that like only two young lovebirds could ever be as like another option. Cause like it's either that or like, Oh wow. The only two people completely obsessed with indie ball in this ballpark right now. Um, so yeah, I think from the outside in people might have some questions. I mean, certainly around your household. Yeah. Because I mean, like it seems like every time we get them recording these things, it ends with my wife's going to divorce me. <laughs> yeah. I say that every time. And uh, no, she's actually just asleep on the couch, called up with the dog. So like, she's living the life. It's all good. But in my head, it's one of those things where she's like, I cannot believe he's still doing this podcast. As if I'm not married to a woman who would 100% walk in the door and tell me. Like, I can't wait till we reach so the point. Scary. We're going to reach the point in the off season where we're going to get so desperate for content. I'm just going to go and start reading like random Reddit threads and then we're going to comment on them. No, I think we're going to be fine. I think we've got so many bad ideas. We can fill a ton of time. <laughs> we're gonna play would you rather would you rather have the 2019 daryl thompson season or the 2026 whatever team season hmm, that is a whole other subcategory of content we could do you're right damn honestly don't live in my head that's when we start getting to youtube videos where we go would you rather honestly though that would actually be a fun one to do like 2019 Pocket it. <laughs> yeah 20- <Pocket> it. <laughs> 2019 daryl thompson or 2003 lincoln michelson <laughs> Oh, Jesus. Absolutely over so many people's heads. There's like three people really hanging on every word. Really, really hit out of the park with them in the sweet spot. All five Bridgeport Bluefish fans are like, yes. <laughs> this is it. This They're is like, my moment. This is our time. We're like, talk about Pete Rose managing the club. Talk about Andy Chavez playing here. <laughs> Please. Andy Chavez. Jesus. How about that? Yeah. Andy played for Bridgeport. And then I think like one year in Somerset, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I think you're right on that one. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Seven yeah. minutes in, we've been very productive. We suck. People know what they're getting into though, right? Like at this point, you can't possibly come on to listen to this show and be like, wow, they really don't like talking about the things they're supposed to be talking about. This is not my cup of tea. This has been going on now for what four months? Like they know. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's true, huh? Yeah, it really is no. There's no surprise here. Exactly. Like this is what you got. Like the first couple Just, times, it's like when a toddler like grabs a pan that's right out of the oven. They're like, "Ooh, it's hot and it's burning." Now it'd be like if a 23 year old grabbed that same pan without like a glove on, and they're like huh i burned my hand it's like well i look i'd hope after 20 years of learning that metal gets hot when exposed to heat you would have learned that lesson but yet here we are and now you're off to the er to go get like the burns like that yeah except there's also two idiots on the pan who are going i think this pan's gonna burn that guy (laughs) no we're the pan that's like so apparently putting it at 250 does in fact still make it hot Oh, God. What are we talking about? I don't really know. Now. Not now. (laughs) I mean, like, topic-wise. What do we got? What's the agenda looking like here, Nick? I mean, I see the problem is I want to continue to do this where it's like you're cooking over the analytics of, like, look, at 250, you should have taken at least another three minutes, but the calculations were off, and I'm like, well, you just can't deny the power of cast iron. But (laughs) (laughs) what we're supposed to be talking about is the fact that Billings changed over their managerial staff. Oh, my God. 
Sorry, the cast iron line was really good, man. Nailed that. <laughs> yeah, Billings making moves, apparently. Yeah. So, uh, in case anyone hasn't realized, and this is a weird lead-off topic, especially when Wally Backman parted ways, but we'll get to him in a little bit. But we're going to talk about Baby steps. Yeah, we're going to talk about my Mustangs for a minute, who aren't my Mustangs anymore because they lost and they're out of the family now. They have a chance to redeem themselves next year, though. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, they announced earlier this week that Billy Horton had left the job as manager to pursue other opportunities. He has been replaced by a friend of the show, Craig Maddox, one of the first guests on the show, Craig Maddox. You can go back and listen to that interview if you want. Um, but he is now the manager of the team. Maddox played uh, 13 years professionally, was with Billings last year. Dennis Rasmussen will return for his second season as a pitching coach, former major leaguer there. And Joel Hartman will be the pitching coach. He comes over from Prospect Dugout, which, as many will know, is kind of Craig Maddox's thing. So seems like a friend gets hired as a hitting coach. A friend remains as a pitching coach. And Craig goes into a role as a manager here. I don't know if he's managed before, to be quite honest with you. I know he worked with the Giants as like Arizona Fall League staff and some lower level staff. And I believe he did some player coach stuff in, I want to say, Southern Maryland. So he definitely does have experience and obviously he was with Billings last year too. So he kind of knows the clubhouse. He knows some of the guys as well. So it does make sense to kind of slide him in there. That being said though, uh, it may be his first manager gig, so that's a little bit interesting, but also on this level, he seems like he kind of got the playbook down. Yeah, I mean, in the Pioneer League, you're really going to get like the experienced guy, but I mean, he's got at least a good background for it, so. Mm. Um, I mean, yeah, not a ton to add on that front. It, it was sort of, you know, not a guy I have a lot of familiarity with, so I don't really have any opinions or takes on him, but. Yeah. Um, I I always think it's reassuring in indie ball when a team locks down their managing situation early. Like we didn't even know that was an opening, and there it is. So um, I think that's a, at least a good sign. I mean, they're billions. I mean, they're run by Main Street Baseball, so it's kind of a different thing. But I don't know. Again, I'm looking at it from the organizational health perspective because you know things have been a little touch and go in some teams lately. So good to see at least Billings has their act together on that front. Yeah, like, I agree with that in that sense. I also am not overly concerned. It seems like Pioneer League teams are more willing to just kind of switch over management there. We've seen a lot yeah. of changeover. I mean, uh, Cash Champ also left as of recent. If we have time, maybe we'll get to that later on. Uh, Ogden's looking for a new manager. I think it was like last year or the year before. We saw a lot of wholesale changes there as well. So, I mean, Bobby Jenks, another example. Guy wins a championship, goes elsewhere on it. So, I think it's partially... Those fan bases are used to turnover. Those organizations are used to turnover in those positions. Also, I think a lot of guys kind of do it, and then they're like, eh, maybe not the indie ball thing for me. So I can very well see that being kind of the yeah. case as well. So I'm not overly... Also, I think it's a, it, yeah. I also think it's great whenever they bring in somebody who has... Like, who knows indie ball. Not bring him in. He's been around. But, like, you know, I always think it's a good idea to have somebody who has indie ball experience. We see a couple teams take a big swing at a guy who hasn't even coached or played in indie ball before sometimes and like oof, I feel like more often than not that ends badly Fancy. so you gotta know what you're getting into yeah i wouldn't know anyone that would get hired in those kinds of positions especially not in like mm -hmm. say a major metro market on a first year team 
right. Exactly right. Nobody would ever do something uh, like that. But rumor has, you know, Brockton's going to bring in something like Wade Boggs or something. Oh, there you go. Jesus Christ. That's Brockton. not actually a rumor. I want to kill that before it gets started. That's not a thing. So. Oh, dude, I'm going to circle it. I hope you do. I want you to do it. But any other <laughs> thoughts on uh, on Craig Maddox going there? Obviously, he's a guy that knows what he's doing. So that experience, like you mentioned, definitely helps. So there's that there. I know you mentioned Main Street Baseball, which obviously is more of a collective type of ownership thing, which I agree is never really the most ideal situation. But I any other real thoughts for the Pioneer League having that kind of uh, guy in there? Uh, no, I think I mean I think we both generally feel good about it without knowing too many of the specifics. But yeah, that's kind of where we're at. I'll probably have more thoughts as we hit the preseason. I can do a little more deep diving. All right. Any thoughts on Joel Hartman, or is this more or less a you know he's a guy? He's a guy. Okay. Which while we're talking about Pioneer League, we're gonna go to uh, their awards next. So while I'm trying to find the exact tweet that I sent about you talking about last week's episode, why don't you go ahead and put out your cry for uh, statistics in the Pioneer League? Okay. Okay. Listen. 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 Pioneer League. I need you to get together. I mean, at this point. Like, I'm trying to do awards. I'm finishing them up right now so I can do my own awards thing. Not, you know, no disrespect to your award thing, which we're about to talk about. But, like, just, you know, in general, want to do my own thing. Um, yeah, like, trying to give out fielding awards or literally any positional award while you nowhere in your stats on your website or on any other stat site is it listed uh, the position breakdown or fielding stats for any player in the league. I hate that. They have fielding stats. But it is literally like without a position. There's no context. It's just a list of like, you can go even game log and I'll be like, this is how many total chances they had and putouts they had and whatever else. There is no context. I'm like, uh, what? Uh, it says they're the player's position, but it's the Pioneer League. So everyone's playing like four positions at least per season. It does not help. It is not helpful. Like just being like, here's the statistics generally. And here's the position generally he plays means absolutely nothing. I hate it. Bothers me. If you know how to get some pioneer league statistics, please help me out because I'm dying inside and outside at this point. He's an ever since song at this point. Oh, I'm so tired. <laughs> like I said, he's an ever since song at this point. <laughs> and it goes, we know the MVP player of the year, pitcher of the year, rookie of the year, all that kind of thing from the pioneer league. Should we talk about that? Mm-hmm. Sure, man. Go for it. Okay. Uh, so we got all the awards. Uh, there's two rookie of the years. I didn't realize that's a thing that you could do that. Um, <laughs> I'm not really sure how to pronounce the last name because it's fail with an E. So I don't know if I'm supposed to pronounce it like John. Fail, Michael fail. fine. Okay. So we're going to go. Yeah, you're with all good. That. If not, then I fail. Then, you know, that's what it is. And that's kind of pace for around here. So, uh, John yeah. Michael fail and Ron Washington Jr. Uh, Billings and Grand Junction, respectively, split Rookie of the Year. Um, reliever of the Year is Dan Kubiak uh, from Ogden, a guy that, again, we're kind of surprised is in the Pioneer League, but, like, totally killed it. So, like, good for him. Yep. Good that went culture. about how that should go. Yeah. Uh, good for the culture. <laughs> uh, pitcher of the Year. I uh, I was going back to, I feel bad that, like, the first time I really talked about him was the uh, first time I saw him, I tweeted out the... Uh, uh, Mom, I want Dave Kubiak. We have Dave Kubiak at home, and it's Dan Kubiak. 
<laughs> but dude, he's so good, man. He is I, good. I love like, watching him pitch. He's also not like David Kubia because like he was killing it in the Atlantic League for summers at, for a long time. Yeah, just yeah. Mowing through, dude. Just like, oh yeah, this dude's actually like incredibly legit. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I wonder what he's he was, up to nowadays. I know. I was actually just hitting baseball reference. We're gonna check that out. All right, while you're doing that, we're going to talk about Alfredo Vila, who was from Missoula and is the pitcher of the year. And uh, Reese Alexandres, who is from Ogden, is the MVP for the uh, Pioneer League. So good for those guys. They're, they're doing their thing. They're succeeding. Yeah, I don't agree with the MVP twist, I'll be honest. Oh. oh. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to give away too many spoilers, but like I can tell you, like, I... I mean, I get it because the team did better. Like, like Ogden did well, and Northern Colorado was not that great. And you know, I, I, it just—I am a big Peyton Robertson guy. Oh. I just think he was great. I think he played. I'm just going to do a quick comparison. Like about as many games, 94 for Alexiades, 92 for um, uh, Peyton Robertson. Um, I'm just sorry. I'm pulling that up now because again, to get any sort of fielding idea, what's going on? You got nothing. Uh, Robertson was playing shortstop as opposed to outfield. Um, he slashed three thirty one, four sixty two, five fifty, while Alexiades was three twenty six, four thirty three, six seventy one. So the slugging was outrageous. Twenty nine home runs, but uh, really, other than the home runs, I mean, that's it. Uh, which look, that's easy to say. I mean, he had twenty some, uh, twenty six, twenty five, twenty six more RBI. If that's what you're into, um, but I mean, like, I don't know. Peyton Robertson had seventy walks and seventy strikeouts. Like he had many walks, he had strikeouts this season. Um, I don't know. I, I like. I would have gone that way. I get it, but I also think you know brought more value in the field. I would, you know, from what I've seen, to know the stats in front of me, life's a nightmare. Um, I don't know. That's my main thing that stuck out. I'm not, not, you know, anything. 29 home runs is kind of crazy, but also it's the Pioneer League, so it's hard to tell what that means all the time. Um, yeah, that was my main interjection there. It's just like, hmm, I don't, I don't know. What about uh, a guy like Jalen Hubbard? Because I felt like he had a good year. Maybe not MVP, but seemed like he had a good year. Uh, pulling that back up. I'm currently have too many things open, so my computer's really mad about me moving around. Um, yeah, I mean, he had a good year. I had him like a win below Alexiades. Like, I have like a pretty close approximation of war for the Pioneer League. Again, it's difficult with the lack of fielding and lack of exact data, but I get pretty close, I feel like. Um, I mean, for the record, basically, like, I had Robertson so much better, by the way, that he was like a half win better than anybody else in the league. So I think that's worth noting, at least according to what I've got. He also uh, stole a bunch of bags, too. Um, sorry, ADD on that one. 62 steals, six caught stealing for Peyton Robertson. Uh, Hubbard, yeah, though, he was he did have a hell of a year. Like, I'm not going to take away from that. He did. I'm pulling that stat up. Da, da, da. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> 395, 456, 623, but it was in 69 games. Nice. Um, yeah, but I yeah, I think for him, it's just a, a a, the amount that he played type of thing. Leagues like giving it to guys who have played more games. In any event, um, right? 
we totally forgot to mention international player of the year in the Pioneer League was uh, Abdel Guadalupe. So uh, he's from Northern Colorado. So good for him too. I don't, I really don't know what his season looked like, but yeah, uh, it was good. Yeah, it was really good. Hit three fifty one with seventeen homers. So like you know, really, really good. Or that'll work. Okay, so it it works. Yeah, yeah, that'll work. He uh, he was crushing. Like, yeah, man, put up some numbers. <laughs> but again, it's. The long pause of, I don't know what that means in the Pioneer League. It's so hard. You, it, making adjusted stats work for the Pioneer League is such an adventure. Uh, well, on that note, let's get it back on track by talking about the All-Star team. Sure. All right. Uh, John Michael Fail from Billings. Joe Johnson from Grand Junction. Jalen Hubbard from Grand Junction. Uh, all-time baseball name Dusty Strop from uh, yep. Rocky Mountain. Banger name. It really is. That that sounds screams for that always gives you chills. Um <laughs> but uh, yeah. Uh Peyton Robertson at shortstop from Northern Colorado, by the way, went catcher first base, second base, third base, shortstop. Now the outfield positions. Jacob Cruz uh from Grand Junction. We mentioned Reese earlier for MVP. He gets the the nod also there and Rob Washington Jr. Grand Junction there as well. DH is Jacob Barfield from Rocky Mountain. Rocky Mountain getting a lot of mentions for a team that was pretty mid, but whatever. Uh, starting pitching, Alfredo Vila and then Connor Schultz, both from Missoula. Relief pitching, Dan Kubiak and uh, Justin Coleman. Coleman from Glacier. Only Glacier player to really get an award, so make of that what you will. Yeah, I'm checking this out. Um... He's I'm interested in the Rocky Mountain thing, the the number of Rocky Mountain guys. I mean, I think part of that is they had a very strong offense and just not much pitching, <laughs> which, you know, will kind of be how that can work out. But, um, I mean, their pitching wasn't that bad. It's just their offense was really good. Just And they didn't win baseball games, which is kind of wild. I mean, That's they were above 500. Maybe we're blowing up in our head because when they were bad, they were really bad. Like, I think that might be your situation here. I mean, um, be. Uh, that's why I called them mid. Yeah, um, I'm just looking into it. I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah, there are a bunch of Rocky Mountain guys who then kind of disappear when you do their adjusted stats. I'm also thinking that's part of it. Oh, I had a weird thing, and it's a very stat nerd thing, so we don't have to like linger on it for a while. But it, I just want to verbalize it because if anybody is into that, it really threw me off. Um, so we really only have like two years of good park factor information right now. Like, is it a hitter park or a pitcher park? Mm-hmm. Um, for the, the Pioneer League. And like it is crazy. Like usually the numbers are like fairly um like they, they're fairly consistent year to year. They might vary a couple points. I like there were multiple teams that had like wild swings and like you know being like pitcher friendly to being hitter friendly. It, it was really strange. I'm trying to find the biggest ones that stood out to me. Um duh, duh, duh. So, no, wasn't that one? It was Grand Junction. Yeah, I think that was it. Yeah, Grand Junction was the one that really caught my attention because it was like 10 points of difference. So, like, if 100 is the, is average, like, it doesn't really benefit the hitter or the pitcher, like, it might move five points. Like, it, it moved 10 points from below average to above average, which is, like, unheard of. Like, if it moves three points, it's, like, notable. 
I don't know, weird stuff in the Pioneer League. I'm wondering if the Pioneer League is just kind of figuring itself out. Because, like, if that happened, like, big moves, not quite that big, big moves happen from, like, being a hitter's park to a pitcher's park at a few of these stadiums. And uh, it was, like, not consistent. It was, like, some of them went, you know, to benefit hitters this time and some benefited pitchers. And I don't know, I'm just wondering if it's, like, maybe overcorrecting rosters or something. But I found it interesting. It's something I've never seen before, and I've seen a lot of random baseball stats. So I was like, huh, look at that thing. Hmm. Well, then. Missoula remains probably the most hitter-friendly park in the league at a glance. Well, that's because it's Missoula. Yeah, you know, apparently. I actually wouldn't have guessed that, but here we are. I'm really a topic about that. I wonder if Michael Schlatt ever got his chance to take BP and earn a chance at free lunch for the boys. Big question, man. we got to get some answers. I've been trying to get him, and the social media team is not responding. <laughs> I believe it was Glacier. I believe it was Glacier. I'm not going to tell you to bully the social media team, but if you Probably could not. pester the shit out of them, maybe that'd be helpful. Because they said they were going to make it happen, and I'm just saying if it happened and nobody was there to film it and put it online, there's a real missed opportunity there. Really yeah, missed. So, just be than that. But um, you know who else is going to be missed? Who? Wally Backman, Long Island, because he and the Ducks parted ways. Hell of a thing, man. Yeah. Really interesting. Yeah. So, quick rundown on Wally. Uh, he joined the Oregon in 2019. He won a championship that year. He made the finals in 21. So, consecutive years, even though it's not consecutive years, it's consecutive seasons because, you know, COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, and had a winning record, 284 to 232. Uh, so overall, a good record. There is a search underway, and I think we both kind of have the same guy in mind to be manager. Yeah, at least the same name keeps coming up, man. Yeah, Mister Duck. Mister Duck, Lewis. <laughs> Lewis. See if he has a, like reaction. Like if you call somebody by like, a name, or, like only their dad ever called them. Yeah, Just, like, like see some snaps and like yeah. Um, yeah. So well, back, back, man, what gone. do you think about this? What What do you make of it? Yeah. Okay. Oh wait. Now, like, honestly, I think yeah. a lot of the people tuning in are probably doing it for this. Yeah. Like that is is a one of the more fascinating developments in the Atlantic League that yeah. doesn't involve a team collapsing in quite a while. Yeah. Especially because what was this on? Uh, was it on Friday or on Saturday that that got announced? I feel uh, like it was Friday. I'm trying to remember where it was. Um. Either way, it was like a garbage dump day yeah. kind of thing. So it was very odd. Um, our whole side tangent, like, I cut, got cut because we were talking about Lou Ford possibly replacing him. But, like, it feels very odd. It's obviously not performance-based. So I'd have to think it involves just personalities clashing to the point where it couldn't be reconciled anymore. And that's kind of mm-hmm. why I keep coming back to it's got to be someone like Lou that takes over that has a good re- working relationship with the front office and with ownership. But yeah, it just it feels kind of odd. I could kind of see it because Wally definitely strikes me as the kind of person that likes to do things a certain way. And we know everyone in that Long Island front office has a certain way of doing things. Mm-hmm. So when those two guys come in conflict, it feels like it's more than just a skirmish. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, there's a lot there. First of all, it was done news dump style Friday at two thirty. Um, yeah, so that's just like get rid of this. That's a look. Um, I had. I'm looking for my tweet on it, honestly, but um, just with his record and all that, but that's gone forever. Apparently, good for me. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't know. So here's what I've gathered from trying to get some info from people. Um, It was definitely not your run of the mill. Like, all right, I think this is Ryan's course or like, yeah, like the team wasn't performing or whatever. Like there is, there seems to have been some sort of behind the scenes, something, Um, but pushing for further details, everybody goes quiet. I'm like, okay, excellent. So, I got nothing beyond it, but it's definitely not like, you know, if it walks like a duck and it, you know, quacks like a duck and it yells at umpires like a duck, then it's probably former duck manager Wally Blackman and something's up. Yeah, it definitely, it, it has to be it. Like, I just wonder what that source of conflict was, especially because at least, I don't know about you, but I didn't really get the sense like it was imminent. I didn't get any sense like this was a long time no. coming, right? So No, not at all. If that's the case, then it just kind of happened. And so if it just kind of happened, I would have to imagine it either relates to the end of the season or how the playoffs ended in a sweep. I'll tell you, the vibe was weird. I know we talked about this on the pod, I think. Yeah. Um, at least I forget if I made the final edit. but um, It probably did. It was the, uh, oh shit. Okay. Um, yeah, it, it was the fact like he like visibly did not seem as checked in during that playoff series of Lancaster. Like there was the, um, there was a couple plays that like, you know, involved you know, probably were worth arguing in a typical situation, or at least discussing it. And like the one was like a weird controversial play and it took him like 30 something seconds to be out of the dugout. I was like, what are we doing? Like they walked brief conversation. They head back. There's no yelling. And like, this isn't like, Oh, I want the typical Wally Backman. It's just like, you know, it's just, there was nothing there. It was really weird. Um, I don't know. He didn't seem as checked in as I've seen him before. Like I've always experienced him from, I tend to sit next to dugouts or near dugouts or behind home. And you can see in the either dugout. Usually he's typically a very like, uh, like present manager, at least with the game. And I didn't get that vibe during that playoff series and uh, for the two games I was there for. So uh, that was the only thing that I really picked up on. Like, maybe it's just hearts on it right now. Who knows? But, yeah, I don't know. Um, I do hear that that it was kind of the case. And the rumor is that Lou has been a bit more active with, you know, things than he has been. So who knows, man? Maybe that is what is going to happen next is Lou Ford. I feel like that. I feel like it has to be because they're going to pick somebody. That is, you know, the most, I don't want to say, because Lou is qualified, highly qualified. He's done this for so long. He's so familiar with the process. He's going to be, you know, good at it. But I feel like one of the best qualifications is getting along with everybody. And it's more important and it's a lot more difficult in some organizations than others. And this feels like one of those ones. But yeah. Like, the being checked out thing, I do wonder if that was because of what happened or led to what happened. And, you know, I just, I get the sense, like, there had to have been something. Like, maybe the second half slump wasn't great. 
Maybe it was something like the air in the clubhouse from getting all the major league guys changed up everything. And Wally didn't like that air. Like, I'm I'm just spitballing stuff at this point. But yeah, the, if the whole year felt off for Long Island, you know? Like, even the first half where they won it, they had to win on the last day. And that's just not very Long Island-ish. So, like, I do wonder if it's just a bunch of minor shit that's been boiling under the surface, and then there was just one or two things that brought it to, brought up to, uh, brought up to a head. Yeah, I mean, that's it. Um, that's kind of my opinion. I don't want to throw too much out there, just not yeah. knowing, but yeah. I mean, there's a lot of strong personalities around that organization, and Wally is definitely a strong personality. Um, yeah. So, I don't know. I think Lou, by the way, Lou's an underrated strong personality too, but maybe yeah. vibes differently. So, I think his full know, thing, man, though, it's is... interesting to see how this plays out. Well, I think part of it, what it is with Lou, too, is he's been around for so long and such a good player for so long, people don't really view him in that light. They're just kind of like, Uncle Lou. And it's like, well, yeah, but there's more than that here. Right. Yes, I agree. So he's I think not just the... Yeah. For, and I mean, maybe in the beginning he was, but he's, he's a legitimate, you know, mind in the indie ball community. Like, he's he's definitely somebody who I think be trusted with getting a shot. Yeah, definitely. So, be interested to see how that plays out. Although, I think the funniest outcome here would be if Pete and Cavillia took over in Long Island. Yeah, I continue to suspect he might go to Cleveland. It makes a lot of sense. Right. Um, I'd be interested to see Wally go to Tri-City. Don't think that's outside the realm possibility. You know, it would be kind of funny in a sick way. Would be if Brett yeah, Jody went to Long Island. I mean... Like, it kind of makes I sense. I mean, like, yeah, it does. It does, but like, the Atlantic League Patriot fans, they die a little bit on the inside. How many of them are active? Yeah. I think some of them. I think enough of them where they'd yeah. see like a headline and go... No. Like, damn. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I agree. I understand what you're saying. Yeah. It kind of be like, yeah. it's Damon going to the Yankees where it's like, no, not Johnny. Don't cut your hair, bub. Yeah. Ellsbury, no. <laughs> Although then it turned yeah. out, yeah, saddling with that debt. <laughs> right. God. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think that's, yeah. Uh, so weird so much i want to like guess that but i it's out of like there's nothing to go on just vibes and tea leaves man but yeah that's interesting it's so it was it, i it was one of those ones where i was like surprised and not surprised at the same time i was like oh wow they moved him and then in my head i was like oh you know yeah makes sense yeah so um, uh Got some more postseason awards. This last little thing we got to do to wrap up the news part, and then we'll get into some review, and then we'll be done for the week. Um, yeah, executive year, Mike Reynolds and Lancaster. Promotional excellence, Charleston Dirty Birds. Promo of the year, Wu-Tang Clan Night uh, for Stan on Ferry Hawks. Mascot of the year is Quacker Jack in uh, Long Island. Ballpark of the year, Clipper Magazine Stadium. Groundskeeper, it's going to be Mike Dunn from Spire City. Wonder what he's going to be doing this year. And uh, no. mm-hmm. 
Community service uh, is the York Revolution. I should also note they announced manager of the year this uh, on today. So that was uh, Goose Gazzo in Gastonia. So for people wondering why Brady yeah. Salisbury did not get executive of the year, they probably were giving that to Goose and kind of were like, this is the equal here. Even though that's still really not the same, but like, fine. Yeah, and Goose won it last year too, so it doesn't really rock the boat, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know what to make of that. Um, yeah, I think my thoughts were. <laughs> I, I've never been. I don't know. I don't want to start anything. I guess at this point, but no, start it. Start it. Start a few. It does not need to say. I just don't think Goose is that good of manager. Like I, it sounds aggressive to say that way, but like literally there is no other, not trying to add any weight to it or any spice to that. I just, you know, I I think he had a difficult job navigating a lot of the VS he had, but also we saw the results that he gave us in his first year in Gastonia without Brady and, you know, without Brady keeping a close eye on him. Like we saw how that went. Um, We saw the staff that was put together. We also saw the initially. Yeah. Like this is, we've seen, the Mauro Gazzo show. Like we know who Goose is, um, in my opinion. And, you know, I think, yeah, I think probably both of those. Yeah. I think probably both those awards could probably have Brady's name on them, but whatever. Um, which is fine. I mean, I thought it was interesting that Brady was in the dugout, uh, during the championship series. Yeah. Um, which is interesting that I think it says something about the relationship there. That's very, I think that's very rare. It might be other reasons he was there, but I assume it's for strategy thoughts. But, um, personally, I think that I don't know that that was the right call. That's a side conversation. Mm-hmm. I don't know. When in doubt in the Atlantic League where they enforce technology rules or at least they're supposed to, you know, I would, you know, if you sit outside the dugout, you can start to access all the technology and all the data in real time. feels like a better move, but I guess the higher priority was being in there to discuss strategy with Goose, which I think says, again, a little bit about how Goose does unsupervised. Look, just my opinion. So don't blow me up for it, but... All I have to say is... I've, I've, the Gastonia is a team for three straight years I've watched very closely because there were the issues year one, the bounce back in year two, and the interest of what was going on with Brady and how that team was turning around. Uh, everything going on this year, I watched... In the last three years, I've watched more Gastonia baseball than I've watched probably any other team of professional baseball. So, I'm, I've seen a lot, all and that's I'm, where we'll leave that. <laughs> all I'm gonna say, all I'm gonna say is, technology in the dugout, the Frontier League would never. <laughs> Bro, I love the Frontier Leagues. Like we just don't even bother. They're just like like we don't even enforce it. Never we, cared. We we can't. We don't know how to enforce it, so we're just not going to. Oh, this pod. What are we doing? Uh, you know what's the amazing thing? We're only like an hour 20 in. Jesus. Okay, good squad. Yeah, we're actually like doing surprisingly well. There's just very light actual discussion. Yeah. I mean, it's the end of the year pod. Exactly. This is very big. Stay a little last, casual before we get some direction for the off season. This is very big. Last day of school vibes. It's very big. We've never been to school vibes, but okay. First day and last day of class only. 
You're going to forget who I am when you do attendance. (laughs) Uh, Shoot, man. I mean... Uh, God, all right. Let's talk about the all-defense and all-star team so that way we can get moving into other things. Uh, All-defense team. uh, And we're going catcher, first base, second base, third base, shortstop, outfield pitcher. Bo Taylor, high point. Drew Mendoza, York. Shed Long, Jr., high point. M. Melvin, Mercedes, tied for second base there. Lancaster, M. Melvin. Uh, Trace Lower uh, from Lancaster, Ruben Tejada, Long Island, DJ Burt, High Point, Braxton Lee, Southern Maryland, Tomo Otsaka, York, Mickey Janis, High Point. Yeah. Yeah, not much to add there. Yeah, that's that's what that is. So, good there. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what that is. Yeah, it's, hot. it's defense. I feel like there's no good defensive metric. So, like... At least at, at this point. So it's like very subjective. Very much like, you know, I watched this dude enough. Good, go for it. Like, I, I, that, that's just kind of where I'm at. But, yeah, I mean, it's hard without any like real defensive metrics available to us. Like, because uh, it's just eye test. But, yeah. You know. So, uh, all star team you could use metrics for. Again, same order, only before we get to the pitchers. It's going to be DH. So Cole Cottom for, uh, which sounds like such a, you got, if you're from Boston, uh, why the hell did I say Boston like that? If you're from Boston, Cole Cottom just sounds like such like a New England name. Yeah, Cole Cottom. Cole Cottom. Yeah. Yeah, Cole Cottom. He's from, uh, he's from Southie. Listen to the new Noah Khan. <laughs> you going to be at the Garden or at Fenway? <laughs> Oh, jeez. Yeah. This is strong episode. Yeah, it is very strong. Drew Mendoza. <laughs> Keep landing on that strong episode. Strong episode. Yeah, good job, boys. Good job. Good job. Good job. Uh, yeah, yeah. Team goes four and out, three and out. Good job, boys. Good job. Good offense. Good blocking. <laughs> hey, good, blocking. Hey, good blocking. Good blocking. Get him next hey. time. Get him next time. But my personal favorite is like a pitcher just no interest in swinging the bat and they take strike one and just hit him with it. Now you've seen it. <laughs> like, yeah, man, now you've seen it. Yeah, that's it. Wait for your pitch. Yeah, that's it. Uh, Feel him out. Feel him out. There you go. Make him, make him use some pitches. Make him use some pitches. Way to work the count. It's 0-1. <laughs> there you go. Let the boy see everything he's got. Of course, they've all already uh, faced this dude once, but all right. Work some bullets. Let's go. Yeah, run up that pitch uh, count. Sh- <laughs> Gonna be a bullpen day with with ABs like that. <laughs> Bro. First, oh. first base is Drew the Mendoza. Chatter. <laughs> and uh, Thomas Dillard shares Dillard from uh, Lexington. Second base, same verse. Second verse, same as the first. Shadowlong Junior, Melvin Mercedes. Third base, Andretti Corna- uh, Cordero. Uh, Lancaster, Anil Angelar, uh, if Staten Island there, outfield, Leobaldo Carrera, Spire City, Dwight Smith Jr., Charleston, Banaklinski, High Point. I'm going to mess up Jose's name because I always do. He's DHing Jose Marmo- uh, Marmolas from yeah, Spire sure. City. Yeah, sure. Why not? Good enough. This show's I'll been off a train wreck anyway. Uh, <laughs> Starting pitcher, relief pitcher, and closing pitcher, Zach Moore from Gastonia, Jameson McCrane, my boy from High Point, and uh, Ryan Dull from High Point. Any real major thoughts going there? Not 
not really at this time, which I know is a letdown, but like yeah. I'm working on my own. So the Atlantic League is the last league I'm really digging back into. But yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. Not nearly yeah. as much of a letdown as Terry McLaurin was for me tonight. I need him to get one more yard and I would have gotten some bonus points in fantasy. And uh, he just couldn't get it done. Luckily, I had Justin Fields in, though. So it worked out well tonight. Football. Sports. Uh, yeah, I don't have any thoughts on this All-Star team either. Good for yeah, them. I mean, I will eventually, but not not now. Not now. We must wait. Yeah. Uh, Suspense. Yeah. Let's talk about some of our dog trash predictions from last week. Oh, painful. <laughs> yeah, so let's start in the Atlantic. Like, we both were like, Gastonian five. They'll throw one game away. We don't know which one. But they'll throw one away. Mm. Then they were like, game three, cool, chill. Game four, they win a very close one. They being Lancaster, real back and forth. Big seventh inning for them, big ninth inning for Gastonian. Nine eight game. All right, kind of cool, kind of chill. Game five, after like the fifth inning, it was like, all right, Lancaster's going back to back. This is kind of a bullshit playoff setup, but like that's where we're at. Yeah, I mean, we teased it. Uh, I guess we talked about it privately, and then I kind of teased it on Twitter. We'll probably have a conversation about how to fix all the different league playoffs. I think on probably none of them are the way they should be. But yeah, Lancaster. Just hey, like look, Lancaster's. I'm not. I I felt like what I said. I what I said on Twitter basically was like, if the if the Atlantic League had a half-decent playoff system, Lancaster wouldn't have made the playoffs. I didn't say that to be like, Lancaster's undeserving. They know, I probably think Lancaster would actually do better if they if the playoff system was different, because I think they are they would adapt, because I think they're just masters of this playoff system. Like, for any of my NASCAR people, just the way Jimmy Johnson was in NASCAR, like, just, they know when to get the points, know what to do, and they're at the end of the year, they're there. And they know that it's a marathon, not a sprint, and you can slow build, and, you know, catch fire in the second half and roll it and there they are and my point that i was making online is just i don't think that you know that's a great model for an entertainment product is having a league that rewards teams you know who suck for half the season yeah they still having a chance for the championship i understand how like maybe in concept seems like a good idea keep teams like involved and maybe that will like keep fan interest up but i don't think there's really great supporting i've never seen any supporting evidence to that yeah, like, I agree in the sense of, like, from an entertainment perspective, I don't really think uh, it's very good. And also, I feel like from a competitive standpoint, from a competition standpoint, you shouldn't be able to just take half the year off and then go all in on the second half. I know the counter is, well, then you're gambling a lot in the second half. It's like, yeah, but also, like, you, if you really only have to try for half the year, it kind of defeats the purpose. And if you're going to try for one half or the other, second makes more sense. Like, yeah, sure, you don't have that thing to fall back on, but I'd rather be playing my best going into the playoffs and having to gear back up again. See Lancaster, uh, Lancaster for that. And it also just feels like you're getting an incomplete team for the playoffs, right? So a team like, say, High Point or Gastonia, they were good for the whole year. They went all yeah. out all year. So you were like, these are titans. These are two teams that are here to compete, that are here to battle, that are here for now, and they are playoff teams. 
While on the flip side, you look in the north and you're like, each one of these teams played like trash for half the year, and now one of them's going to get to the get to the final, and it just doesn't quite seem right that you're going to have one team that played the game the quote unquote right way, and mm-hmm. is now going to be gassed going into a series against a team that you know kind of was like this is a marathon not a sprint let's jog this one out it just doesn't feel right and i get it that's how it's set up if the rules are set up that way then hey take advantage of rules let's just close that up though and make it so it doesn't happen again yeah i agree um i mean it happened in the pioneer league too with fair ogden realistically so i mean it's they're not fairly you know it's a fairly frequent thing at this point um and Lexington did it in 2021. So we basically had three teams now consecutively who have won an Atlantic League title by playing about half of regular season. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> that's probably not what you want for the entertainment product. Um, and, I mean, the quick version of what I was saying to sort of close the loop on uh, Twitter was I think, I mean, there's certain things you want in a playoff system. If this was, you wanted to crown you know, the best team as champion frequently. Um, if we were into doing that, then we would just give a trophy to the team that finishes first at the end of the regular season and call it a year. Um, but this is an entertainment product. So try to get something that gets the best one that feels legit. So people can be in it and has drama and good series length and good number of teams. So I was thinking with the Atlantic League, what they probably have to do, I think probably expand it to six for the purpose of, involving a wild card because right now um they got to get rid of two half system in my opinion because it's playing this current issue continue and from there with your two half system uh you want to reward those division winners over the because that's the other thing that can bother me too is if you're a division winner and all you get is right in the locker around like what happened with the brewers i think is bs um that you can win a division and just get tossed into the mix of a wild card round yeah like if say the ducks won you know the east by 20 games and then they just have to play the second place team in the playoffs like well why do we even bother them like like i guess we have one more home game cool um so i think the real thing would be if you win your division you get a buy and if you are one of the four remaining like the top four teams that did not win the division in either division like mix them all together you go into a one game wild card round to play a division winners. And I think that's a good way to do it. It gives motivation to win the division, gives a reward for doing it. It involves more teams. It's splitting it up because like if you were just taking the top two teams in each division for the wild card, that would give you Charleston, who was a terrible, just a bad team this year. Um, so you got to avoid that. But I think that's the move without going too deep into it. But yeah, I think the Atlantic probably is the worst. Of the four leagues. I'd agree. Pioneer League, no, Pioneer League does. Yeah, the the two, three, best of threes is a joke. But but I think that also, too, is in their defense, their travel is going to be the worst of any league. I know we joke a lot and say, like, oh. Totally. Yes, you're right. So they don't have that luxury, plus the budgets are tighter. Like, the American Association has a claim. Like, I can only imagine Championship Series, if it ever came down to it, between, like, Winnipeg and Cleburne, how god-awful that would be. But Mm -hmm. still the average trip in the pioneer is going to be like, all right, we're going to go from Ogden, Utah to Kalispell, Montana. So like 
you can't really yeah, do five. But yeah, you can. It's the same travel. Yeah, it's just but, two but, and three instead of what two and one and two or two and one, two and one. I guess two and one. It's, yeah, it's but the same also, number of bus trips. I guess, but like, it's also a lower budget operation. There's other stuff going on, and it's just like climate also is a concern. Like, I get it, it's early September, it. mid-September, so like... Still, though, you're up in the mountains, you're right. Yeah, so that's a concern there. It's harder to make that kind of adjustment on the fly, you know? Like, when you look at, say... Again, I'm just going to use the American Association because I feel like it's a somewhat decent comparable. They're all, like, at least somewhat near a metro area that you could fly into. Like, I'm sorry, where are we flying into for Kalispell? Yeah. Like, the small regional airport? Like, what are we doing? It's harder to make that adjustment. So if the bus has a problem, it's like, okay, well, tonight's game's postponed, and already playoff games don't draw, so have fun sorting that issue out. Like, that's just... Yeah. Yeah. Like, you see what I'm kind of getting We're going to have to have a different conversation on that one, too, because we should talk at at, at some point this year about, like, what makes a good fan base and a loyal fan base, because I, I walked into this playoff with the mindset of like, yeah, you need the two F system because at least it lets one team in each league start selling some playoff tickets and actually get some attendance. But like, yo, Lancaster's attendance had me rethinking the whole thing. Like, Quebec I'm like, too. all right. Even yeah, Evansville. Man. They just, like those teams have just clinched. Like, so don't say, well, it's all the, pl- it's just because of the playoffs. Like, well, other teams are doing it. So what are you going to do about it? Like, yeah. or are you just the race? Like, honestly, yeah. not even joking. And I mean, if you are, you are, but like, hope you can profit that way or else you need to take a look at why you can't sell some tickets or at least don't sell them. Like, that's it. That's the other thing. Free tickets to a playoff game will still get some fans, show a good time and get some food purchased. And there we go. Like, sorry, you're gonna have to eat the ticket sale. That or at least sell at a loss. Yeah, man. Use the ticket as a loss later. That is going to be a whole can of worms that we're going to open up this office. Yeah. But yeah overall back to the main point on the actual series um i mean lancaster are still a good team but i just don't think they're a great team and it just feels like like i know when i sent in my ranking this week i did i think i put lancaster at two and i give them credit because they did manage to beat a team that previously i think i had either one or two so it stands the reason you want either the best or second best league you should be put ahead i think kansas city's a better team than they are but like, they earned that spot. And again, I understand playoffs aren't, like, the best judge of who's the best team because it's small sample sizes, and there's a lot mm-hmm. of outside factors to take in. But at the end of the day, playoff success does mean something. They do show up at that time of year. And despite everything we all said, again, all these other teams didn't do what Lancaster did. So they yep. get credit for that. And, uh, you know... They could have done the same thing that they did, and they chose not to. So there's certainly that there. Gastonia, I feel like, though, even though Game 5 really was kind of like a wind-out-of-sails kind of game, I yeah. feel like their their accomplishment is still on par with winning a championship, just considering the absolute nightmare and shit show that was behind the scenes. To deal with that, to stay on target, and still get, what, four innings really away? from being, you know, champions of the Atlantic League is still an extremely commendable feat and something that I think is worthy of acknowledgement and worthy of uh, consideration. 
Bro, there were three unearned runs away from a sweep. Like we can really step back and look at it. That game Fundies. one where they just beat themselves. Like that was if they had that game, they look great in games two and three. That would have been it. This is why we have to pay attention to the fundies. I was thinking about it while I was watching that Rays game the other day. Mm-hmm. Both the Rays games, honestly. I'm telling you, dude. I think it's just something across the board. I, yeah, I think you're right. I really don't know what it is. I don't know why. Because there's a lot of theories I have. And most of them are probably nonsense. or just like old man at cloud. But, <clears throat> like, for whatever reason it may be, they're just like the fundamentals across the game are lacking. And, like, I get it. It isn't sexy or flashy to use two hands to catch a pop-up or to take your time making a throw that's not being rushed. But, man, like, it's basic stuff that wins you games. If you do the basic stuff right, everything will follow. It's like, uh, it's frustrating. The big one that I've noticed more in both indie ball playoffs and MLB playoffs is the fact that like, it's not even the physical error. It's not the, you know, the botched ground ball, not staying down or getting your throw through. It's the mental decision. It's the mental mistakes. It's, it's, you know, I can get them. Missoula running themselves out of the playoffs. I can beat the throw that ninth inning. It's the, I mean, it's Vlad Guerrero getting picked off second. It is, you know, both, I mean, I think Estonia and Lancaster both had a guy it's, thrown out late. It's like guys That's trying to end. do too much. Like, yeah, it's just... It, it, you know what it reminds yeah. me of? It reminds me of one clip I saw from NFL Films a while back from uh, the New England sideline. And I guess something had happened against New England's defense where someone got caught out of position trying to cover for somebody else. And it's just Belichick yelling at them going... I need you to do your job. Don't do his job. He's already doing it. Just do your job. And then, of course, he ended it with, and right for once, but like, <laughs> which is a Belichick way. And also, you know, you, you piss them off a little bit. They're going to try a little bit harder. But it feels like that's just what some of these managers need to say. Just do your job. Don't do the extra. Just do your job. And we'll take care of the rest. Having you on base means way more. Keeping the runner from advancing means more. We don't need to do stupid things. The safe play is acceptable. I have a theory I'm just coming up with here. Okay. Could this be pitch clock related? Because I was thinking a lot of it is, well, as you're saying that, it's simply knowing your situation. It's taking the moment to go, all right, if I'm on first right now, if this ball goes in that gap, who's out there? Am I going? If this is a ground ball to the right side, where I'm, what am I up to? If this ball in the air, am I freezing? Whatever. Like it's that. And guys seemingly not having a game plan. Like they're surprised as anybody when the ball, like at not only the fact the ball is in the field, but the, at what they are doing in response to it. Like I, I wonder if that's part of it. Like you're losing that time that would often go and you could kind of. Now slow down and take that second and look around. Like, I wonder if that's part of it. Um, cause like, even like weird things, like I've talked about before, like there was the one, like 
running, uh, I think Dela Cruz did it from Gastonia, like running for third with like the harder lineup behind him after he doubles. And I think there was one out and it was like, dude, you could have had a runner on second with one out. So you have nobody on with two out or something like that. And I was like, that should be a thought already in your head, which is like, all right, like if this is all in the gap, like unless they are kicking it around, you know, like, and this is, that was his batting. That was his spot in the lineup for several days too. So that should not have been a new concept. Like this isn't like, Oh shoot. In this situation, I think about this right here right now. Like I'm not being unrealistic. I'm just saying, you know, who's behind you you know where you're at in the game. He should already know as that ball leaves his bat, he's like, all right, if that's, had, if that's gap, like if they're not kicking that thing at each other, like they're just discovering soccer, then I'm probably just keeping eyes on the base coach and staying in second. Like, I don't know. It's things like that, not to jump on De La Cruz. I mean, like Great. it could be, but I mean, it doesn't explain things like De La Cruz for pitch, for a pitch clock though, because he's already running. The pitch clock's not really there. Like, you know your sign before you get up. You already know that, right? And like, and, and I'm thinking, like, yeah. Oh, and part of that's even like he maybe he's not getting that chance to even even think about that as he's stepping up. Like, like look at the situation in front of him. Okay, one out. What does that mean to me? Type of thing. Like, it just takes those like extra thirty seconds, or probably from the time you you walk out from the batter's box or from the uh, on deck circle to the box, like until the time you hit the ball, you could have another two minutes of thinking time disappear on you. Yeah. But I mean, like while you're on deck though, you also kind of know what's happening, right? Like you're aware. True. Yeah. So, Like that's part of it. Like while you're stepping up, you can look and go, okay, there's this many outs. There's this many guys on. And like, I would assume that either you already know it or your manager went over with you. Like, okay, if there's one out, and nobody on, we're doing this. If it's one out and one guy on, we're doing this. Mm-hmm. If it's anything other than this, we're going to do that. Like, that should be, assuming you have competent management, which, you know, I know we said a little bit about Goose earlier, but I would imagine he's competent enough to be able to manage a game. He was very verbal with the guys that I saw that. Yeah, so, like, there's communication going on. So, mm-hmm. like, it just feels like a blank moment. So, I don't know if it's intentional. Where it's just like intentionally thinking, okay, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to go for it. Or if it's just like, oh, I got to make a decision in the moment. Uh, let's just do it. And it's like something like that. I really don't know. But the fundamentals is just something. It's something else. Just going full zoom, zoom guy. Yeah. But any other thoughts on the uh, championship series for the Atlantic League? Or can we move to the Champions Baseball League? Um, It, it was a good one. That's all. Like, I mean... You know, I, I'm not in love with how Lancaster got there, but I do think Lancaster was probably the best team in the series, and they're a more complete team. And we saw that, and I was, it was, I was entertained. So it was a good series. All right. All I got to say to end it is one of my more favorite Twitter interactions from the weekend, which was your tweet of, "Hey, the loss for Gastoni here, but lol at Brandon Bellamy for showing up for once to get himself a trophy and leaving with nothing." And my quote tweet of, "Yeah, you're laughing." Brandon Bellamy had to track all the way down to, to the Chernobyl site he created, and you're laughing. That was a great tweet, man. That's so funny. I, I mean, like, I actually laughing out loud. <laughs> like, damn, bro, you were quick on that too. I know. Like, I saw uh, that, and I was like, I'm, I was looking for a reason to use that, and you're laughing. <laughs> so good. Uh, I'm so disappointed. Man, it didn't get better numbers than it did. Hey, your bills, guy. <laughs> 
Oh my! It's like uh, oh, what was it Todd Frazier's chirp at uh, Adam Eaton, where he told him to pay his mortgage. That. Oh my God, that's right. Literally got to get this thing rolling. All right, Champions League. We thought Fargo wasn't making the final. Fargo then rattles off a two to one victory versus an LMB team in Yucatan. Then they're just like casually smoking a team from I believe it was Colombia, and then they smoke them again in Game Four to win the championship. So Fargo made us look pretty bad. Big Shaq, I owe you an apology. I wasn't familiar with your game meme there. So uh, yeah, yeah, they went off. I was like, okay, good to know. Yeah. Fargo and friends. Yeah, well, which by the way, I love that. I say that I, I said a few times on Twitter. Yeah. And like I felt like people thought I was like making fun of it. I was like, nah, like Fargo and Friends is a great vibe. Yeah, like honestly, they did really well. I was really impressed with the Yucatan game. I was not expecting to win that. And then mm, like yeah. Columbia, I it was more fifty fifty for me on that. I was like, they may win this one, but like I'm still not thrilled about that prospect. But like if they were gonna win one, that was it, or the Cuban one. And given the result from Cuba I was like, uh, I'm not really encouraged here, but whatever. So, yeah, they, they, like, game, I'll make game three got a little sketchy there at the end, but they came out game four. We're not playing around. They just said, all right, we're putting this to bed early, often, and that's all there is to it. And they, they did exactly that. And it feels like for me, from the biggest takeaway from this is a, they really helped their whole league in the rankings because seeing Fargo and friends do that to some really high-quality opponents made me really start to think, like, and maybe it's not fair to do it this way, but it's how, how I did it. I was like, you know what? Maybe these American Association teams should be ranked a little higher. Maybe their overall quality is a little bit better than I thought. A. And B, I came away thinking, like, Chris Herman is definitely going to be Baseball America's Indie Ball of the Year. Oh, uh, yeah. Run away. Run away. Yep. I put money down on that. So Yeah, I think you, you're right on it there. So that was my biggest takeaways from that. Yeah, I don't know. Um, it, it's tough because like, I look at those teams. I'm like, if I took that team out and put the Barnstormers of this year or last year in, do I think the Barnstormers beat those three teams? I don't know. I don't know if they do. Now, I don't know. But then again, making Barnstormers and friends probably feel a little different. Get a few ALPB All Stars in there, like that's fair, a, the number fair. of LB guys that handling business. Yeah, I don't know. There's a lot that have me sort of reconsidering some things lately. Like, uh, all right, I'll, I'll get ahead of it. Reconsidering things and still landing on like, no, I'm pretty confident where the Atlantic League stands versus the American. But um, again, American Association continues to go the right way. And I continue yeah. to hear that the Frontier League is probably loosening up their um, roster restrictions, and with that, the American Association. I'd wonder if they're thinking about the same thing. Mm. but uh they're good so i'm gonna tighten the gap up between his leagues so that's a good thing yeah no it definitely is it definitely is a positive to see that so uh i what i like too is it's gonna start to really level things off and i do hope that this is a good starting point for this champions baseball league too and hopefully mm-hmm. it can continue to grow and get a bit bigger and we'll see more less of league and friends and more of just the team itself and again I do kind of hope at the end of the day, we wind up reaching the point where it's the best partner league winds up going to this Champions Baseball League. And we get that through some sort of tournament of some type. I really hope we get there. That's obviously many years down the line, but I do hope we get there someday. 
Yeah, I'm cooking some other content piece up along those lines. So I won't say too much for now, but yeah, yeah I um, I agree. <laughs> I'm that is the end game, and it should be. And I don't well, I don't know that it is the end game, but it should be the end game, I guess. We'll say because I can't. I don't trust any of the leagues to be understanding the direction they should be going at this point. I think that's just about really all we have in the way of uh, actual baseball discussion for right now. So, yeah, I think that just about does it. That's all I have written down here. So is there anything else we really want to get to, or are we going to wrap it here after, like, a very odd way of getting to here? Um, That's what I got for now, man. Keep an eye out. We'll probably drop next day or two. We'll drop the last uh, top ten ranking for the the year and look for that to expand next year which should be fun yeah definitely there who knows maybe there'll be some videos that get uploaded too videos we'll have a few things because i got some award stuff coming soon that's just um finishing putting finishing touches on the prep work there and then it's just going to be recording and posting anyway. so that's fun all right and so you want to plug stuff and then we could wrap it yeah uh any violation if you thought this episode wasn't a total disaster um and uh yeah new nation twitter instagram youtube and yeah give out for some content i'm traveling a ton over the next month but i'll be trying to get some stuff up basically any time i can using a lot of the downtime uh that you get kind of on the road for doing some video stuff so finally should be able to focus a little more on that because usually i don't actually have forced time to just sit and work on things it's usually split attention so um we'll see but yeah um God, I hope this episode wasn't a mess, but maybe it was. Maybe that's good. I don't know. I do not know what works for your podcast anymore. So I, am I just don't know up. either, to be honest with I'm you. So like, yeah. I really don't know how this is going to look. Like, we started off talking really strong about Wally Backman, like how Lou Ford may replace him. And then we just went on a tangent on how Lasting's Millage is actually not that much different of a batter from Lou Ford somehow. At least according to similarity score. So like there was a real detour in there. There was another like 30 minute detour during Pioneer League talk. So like I really don't know how this is gonna shake out. I'm seeing like an hour 56 and 30 seconds of content with like 15 seconds missing in there. So I don't know where that 15 seconds is. And like <laughs> I don't really know. This cover will be an hour long show for all I know. So we're gonna find out. Uh, as far as all things I have to say, we're going to have more organized stuff in the offseason. I'm going to figure out my janky-ass phone recording system. I'm going to figure out why my board doesn't work on two channels anymore. We're going to figure out some of the technical aspects of this. We'll get some interviews in there. We'll get more scheduled content, more organized content. There'll still be chaos because, frankly, I think that's kind of the charm of this show, as I regret saying that immediately. But... Mm-hmm. It, it does. There is some sort of element to that that works. So there'll still be a little bit of that. There'll be some other content. I'll actually have an off-season schedule. I'm going to try to work on this weekend to make it actually work. And we'll, of course, go from there later on. So, um, yeah, it's Indie Ball Pod on Twitter or X or whatever we're calling it these days. Indie Ball Report and everywhere else. Keep an eye out for that. And hopefully we'll have some good content for you. Hopefully this show wasn't too much of a wreck. And, um... Yeah, hopefully we sent you down some rabbit holes just like I sent Ryan down a NHL rabbit hole, I think it was yesterday. Oh, yeah. He doesn't believe it's a real league. And frankly, it really isn't. But, like, it's still really fun. 
Yeah, I don't even know what to do with it. But yeah, that's a different conversation for a different day. But yeah. definitely, I'm going to be doing my off-season sort of outline schedule in the next couple of days. And I'll have a million things that don't fit on it. So you and I will figure out what we want to, want to work on together, put, put into an episode. Are we, <laughs> is this going to be via Zoom? Because I'm no, it would my be the hour. Off. It would be like the hour of time we waste before we even start an episode. Oh, so I really should come prepared for that next week. Yeah, right. Did I know Sam Abbott, who played for Quebec and Gary this year, is from Kuwait? Wild. Anyway, I think that ends the episode. That is definitely a military base baby right there. Uh, any event. Yeah. So until next time, uh, don't forget to play ball.